This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're sitting on the planet. My guest today is Aurelie Halloui. She's the CEO and founder of Infinity Q. Aurelie has had many different work experiences prior to founding Infinity Q. I'm looking forward to getting into that. Uh, her varied roles include a stint in business development for Talis and also working at Pratt & Whitney Canada. She was also in the French Navy for 16 years as the deputy head officer for the Rafale Jet Aircraft Maintenance Workshop. She has an MBA from McGill University and a Master of Science degree in Communicating Computer Systems Engineering from IMT Atlantique. It was in 2019 while working at MILA, the Quebec Artificial Intelligence Institute, that she started the Infinity Q project. Her company is focused on developing quantum analog computing solutions. Their first-gen computer operates at room temperature to exploit certain quantum effects. It's available via cloud interface or on-prem and can outperform both classical CPUs and existing quantum computing devices when addressing optimization problems without the need for technical expertise in quantum mechanics and without cryogenics. Her company is based in Montreal, Canada and has 11 employees. So welcome, Aurelie, and thanks for joining me. Hello, Chris. Thank you for the invitation. I look forward to speaking with you. I always like to start my podcast by asking my guests to share a bit about their own personal quantum journey. As I mentioned, you've had quite a varied set of careers and uh, worked in educational settings, academic uh, institutions. So my objective is really twofold, to give our audience a sense of what you did, certainly before you founded InfinityQ, but also to orient our audience more broadly to the fact that there are many ways and various paths that people like you have taken to get into the field of quantum information science. So you've obviously taken quite an interesting route to get into quantum. Can you share with our listeners a bit more detail about your background, your path so far, where you grew up, and any insight into the companies or organizations where you worked or did research? Yeah, thank you, Chris. That's a very good question. And actually, uh, you're right. It's not the the traditional path to... uh, to arrive at in the quantum industry. So uh, I grew up in France uh, and uh, I think I'm a passionate person. So it all started with passion. First, my passion for science. I studied math and physics at school and I really enjoyed it. I even received a a female technical and scientific vocational award. Um, When I was younger, my second passion was flying. Uh, I remember when I was a child, I was passing by an airfield and um, one day I stopped there and, and started flying. And I spent all uh, the savings my parents uh, uh, said for me uh, in one summer. Um, but anyway, I, I got my uh, flying license and, and it was a, a very uh, great experience for me. Another, another passion I have is I love really um, meeting people, meeting new people, knowing new people. Um, I love traveling. And um, I joined the the French Navy uh, and the Naval Aviation. Um, So it it was for me a uh, logical choice. I have an engineering background. uh, So uh, it was great for me to to work uh, with the Rafale, which is a a very technical uh, aircraft. And after uh, 16 years in the Navy, I moved to Canada. I did my MBA at McGill. And um, 
after my during my MBA, actually uh, worked at Pratt and Whitney, which is a big uh, U.S. company. Um, and at some point, I had this entrepreneurship evening, and the CEO of an incubator in Montreal did a great speech and said, "Do you want half a million of dollar, a great tech idea, and a tech co-founder to start your own venture? Send me an email." And I was like, "Oh my God, I think that's what I want to do." So. I just sending an email, uh, and I think that's the moment I really uh, fell in love with entrepreneurship. Uh, and uh, I quit my uh, full-time job in the big company and became an entrepreneur. Uh, and I think it was the 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 start of my entrepreneur uh, journey. Um, at some point, I was working at Mila, the uh, AI research center, and uh, it's when I, I met this professor. Uh, uh, who rewrote a new formulation of uh, quantum mechanics? So that's an amazing story. I, I love that that anecdote about. Uh, again, it, worth repeating. So this professor said, if you have what half a million dollars, a good tech idea, and what was the third thing? Uh, and uh, it will provide a, a tech co-founder. Yeah, and you should start a company, and you did. So, just to follow on um, that thought, you know, wondering what specifically led you to start a quantum computing company. Now, you met uh, your colleague, a co-founder, another prominent scientist, right? She was uh, working in this space. Was there like an aha moment in the lab, a conversation the two of you might have had, or follow-on meeting? How did, how did you decide to start Infinity Q? So it was uh, when uh, I was uh, at the AI Research Center. Uh, I was working there, uh, and one of the professors, uh, we wrote these new formulation of quantum mechanics, and I got very intrigued by quantum, uh, con what quantum computing can bring to humanity and the revolution it will bring in the future. Uh, so I was really um, wondering what can be done with quantum, quantum computing, and also if there was a way to um, kind of shortcut the development of complicated hardware and find technologies that are not, maybe not pure quantum, but that can have uh, good performance, similar performance, uh, and solve a real world problem today and not in a decade. So that's how I got intrigued also by quantum inspired technologies. Um, and when the story started with Infinity Q. You were in the French Navy for 16 years, which in and of itself is quite remarkable. And you were in charge of over 80 jet engine technicians when you were just 24 years old. So how have you leveraged the skills you learned in that role, maybe to help you build and run a quantum computer company? So I think being an officer in the Navy uh, is a very good um, a life lesson uh, because when you are in the Navy, you are a sailor, you're an officer, you're an engineer. So I learned leadership. I learned how to lead uh, by example. Um, you know, I learned techni complicated technical knowledge. Uh, so dealing uh, on board the aircraft carrier with technical uh, failure, uh, being able to have uh, uh, to ensure the readiness uh, of all the fleet. Um, I remember at some point we had all the, the aircraft uh, in the air and it was uh, like a war moment. Um, so, you know, managing a complicated, uh, complicated situation uh, in a stressful environment. Um, 
Alan, you know, sacrifice dedication, you know, whatever it takes uh, to complete the mission. Um, as a sailor, you learn how to navigate forward, uh, so anticipate problems. Um, one thing I really enjoy in Navy was also the team spirit, cohesion, uh, the teamwork, and also looking after uh, my staff. Uh, one thing that is very um, typical for the, the, the sailors, the Navy, is being resourceful. Um, so uh, you, you have to deal uh, with whatever you have uh, when you are uh, at sea. So, uh, you know, it, it, you learn how to, uh, to be creative. And last thing uh, is also being deployed for months, making quick decisions uh, uh, on an operational aircraft carrier. It, it gives uh, resilience and hard work. Really? Oh, fantastic. Thank you. For, I want to get into the details of the technology and your solution, but, but first I want to sort of stay on this theme for a moment. Um, as a successful female entrepreneur in the high-tech space, I want to ask you to please share your advice for young women looking to get into the tech sector. What do you tell smart young women who want to get into quantum or into any sort of uh, high-tech related uh, business? Yeah, so I think um, it's not because you're a woman that you can do science. And I would say don't let the society impose its standards and don't let anyone define who you are and what you want to do. So if you want to do science and quantum, just just do it. And um, yeah, don't let anyone standing between you and your dreams. Another advice is don't take no as an answer uh, because it's not easy every day. Uh, so, you know, just never give up because uh, um, quantum uh, can seem very complicated. But if you uh, have some courage and... and you know, you 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 really want to uh, to pursue this career? I would say just just do it. That's great. That's great advice. Thank you very much for sharing that perspective. That's invaluable. Let's talk about your first generation quantum analog computer that uses analog electronics and operates at room temperature. Um, I read that it uses artificial atoms, term I have not heard before, and that it can efficiently solve combinatorial optimization problems. I read you're working now with Polytechnic and Berkeley on a digital implementation by building an icing machine. Can you tell our listeners how this works? So that's a very good question. So the, the easing machine uh, is based on the based on the easing model. So what does it mean is um, it is able to solve these combinatorial problems uh, by converging to the solution. Um, and the implementation we have done uh, uses uh, off-the-shelf hardware like FPGA and uh, GPU, TPU. Hmm. Um, the, the first version we had, the analog version with uh, electronics, uh, we uh, put it on hold uh, because we had some scalability issue. Um, what we really... Uh, him for is being commercial uh, as soon as possible. So we needed to scale up very, uh, very fast. So that's the reason why uh, we pivoted to the, the digital implementation. So now we have better performance, uh, it's faster, and we are able to tackle more variable, like uh, tens of 
thousand uh, variables, and we work on a version uh, to be able to tackle hundreds of thousand variables. And in the pipeline, uh, we aim to to reach a million uh, by next year. So, and I just want to drill down a little farther into the sort of quantum analog uh, model that you've created. Can you talk a little bit more about that? How that works for the for listeners? The fact you it operates at room temperature is pretty remarkable, and the way you've uh, combined sort of analog electronics with uh, quantum uh, you know, solutions, if you will. So this approach uh, with the analog uh, uh, quantum analog um, computer was done uh, by using uh, the analogy between uh, artificial atoms and uh, circuitry, and we used uh, an opfield network to connect them in an all-to-all connectivity. That's what we did. And it's when we experienced uh, the connectivity issue and when we had more than, we had more than hundreds of, uh, of nodes. So that's when we pivoted to the, to the digital implementation. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, I think listeners are always interested in you know, the perennial question, clients. So I read that your initial focus has been on transport and logistics, but that you're also working with leading financial institutions and pharmaceutical companies and even gaming companies who are involved as investor clients on proofs of concept. Can you share some details on engagements underway or in the pipeline? Maybe describe how clients are using your approach? At first, we try POCs in different industries. So uh, you mentioned uh, financial institution. Uh, we did a portfolio optimization uh, POC uh, in in pharma. Uh, we work on a research project project uh, with RNA folding, and for the gaming, we explore the um, the two D three D transformation for a, for a picture. So, uh, and in cybersecurity, we do a project with a, a university. Um, the project is called Sentinel, and it's about uh, the logic argument, argument, the argumentative logic uh, between uh, these Sentinels. So, I would say these projects were more POCs, and we have discovered that logistics is um, the low-hanging fruit. Actually, uh, we thought that you know the driving salesperson problem was just a toy problem, but in reality, when we had more constraints, we can solve real-world problems. So uh, right now, the, the customer we are dealing with uh, are all in the logistics uh, industry. And um, it's to solve the last mile delivery problem. We are able to assign drivers in different zones and also to um, provide an optimization of the driver scheduling. So that's the main problem we, we are solving right now. Yeah, no, I read that you had solved the traveling salesman problem for a large number of potential destinations. That's very exciting. Congratulations on that. I, Thank you. Well, yes. I want to get your take on the challenges facing a company like yours, like Infinity Q, in um, finding talent, right? You know, there's this mad dash. People are, companies are growing. Uh, government uh, organizations are looking for talent. So wondering how you go about finding talent, recruiting for your company. Do you have affiliations with universities? How, how, do, you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, that's a good question uh, because um, 
you know, the, the staff shortage is everywhere. Um, right now we are hiring, uh, we are still looking for a couple of positions, one mathematical uh, developer, which is a software developer with mathematical skills, and another one with uh, GPU and FPGA uh, development skills. Um, it's not very easy to find talent, and also it's, it's, all, it's not all about the technical skills. Uh, because each time we hire someone, we assess the, the cultural fit. So, yes, it's good to have people with technical skills, but also the person has to fit with our, uh, our values. A and sometimes, you know, we find a, a good technical per person, but the, 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 the cultural fit is not there. So it's very important as a small team to find the right person. Um, how we do, we use uh, a couple of headhunters to help us uh, and also we are quite lucky in Montreal, uh, we have a good pool of talents, uh, there are several universities, so um, we hired uh, people from uh, Polytechnic for example, uh, you mentioned the relationship with Berkeley, uh, we, uh, we found a, a researchers uh, at Berkeley, so really we try to uh, promote what we do, uh, contact people directly when we find a good profile um, and use uh, you know, word of mouth and every, every means to uh, attract people, right? Yeah. So and those uh, openings are posted on your website. I encourage listeners to take a look if they have the skills and want to get engaged with you. Go to your website. Yeah, they can, or uh, they can contact uh, also. Uh, they can contact me also on, on LinkedIn, for example. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, on our website, it's it's totally fine. Great. So, Aurelie, we're coming to the end of the podcast, and I want to ask you to share your vision. Look into your crystal ball for a moment. Wax philosophic, if you will. Um, where do you think quantum computing might be in say three to five to ten years? And you know, more broadly, what kind of impact do you think it's going to have on how we live and work? Like, how will your kids be using it? Anyway? Right. So, I hope my kids will be able to to have their own quantum computer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think it will be uh, uh, gradually. Uh, you know, um, we build quantum inspired solutions, so I think it will help uh, educate people with this new technology. What I've noticed, uh, you know, dealing with real uh, customers is customers, they don't really uh, give importance uh, of the technology itself. What they want is they want a solution that solves their, their problem. So I, I think quantum can solve tons of problems. We still need, need to figure out, you know, what will be the, 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 best, uh, the best problems uh, it can solve. Um, this morning I was doing a, a talk about uh, post-quantum cryptography, so I definitely think quantum com computing will have an impact uh, in cybersecurity. Uh, so it will uh, kind of impact our everyday uh, life uh, uh, very soon. Well, thanks for joining me, Aurelie. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you for the invitation, and I really enjoy our conversation. Well, thank you. And I wish you continued success. Look forward to, to learning more as you as the company grows and you bring uh, exciting solutions to the market. Definitely. I hope I will be back soon with 
another uh, great news. I want to invite people to follow you and the company on LinkedIn. Uh, it's infinityq.tech. You're quite active on social media. I see that you have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, you're on Twitter, there's a YouTube channel, again, all with the handle, AffinityQ Tech. Listen to my other podcast episodes, if you haven't already, and please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. This has been a production of Inside Quantum Technology. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.